The following podcast is a work of fiction. All characters are the creation of Peter Williams. Any resemblance to someone living or dead is purely coincidental. Thank you. Tuesday. Tentacle Tuesday. Such a nice sound. Such a nice pairing of words. Especially since it's been ages since we last sat and chatted. For those who are not familiar with me, I'm your host, Lord Piotra, your sick, sadistic guide through the landscape of nightmares set before you. Today, today we start a new story. One that takes place ten years before the events of Detective Ron Stevens versus the cult of Ikyatsu. Or, if you want to look at it a different way, one that takes place about fifteen years after the end of Yoriel's Apprentice. This story will reveal to you just how our friend Warren came to understand that things lurk in the darkness, beyond our periphery, waiting with hungry, wanting eyes, waiting to either take you, remake you, or perhaps eat you. But first, we start one late fall evening in the home of Devin Winters, his wife Grace, and daughter Lindsay. We start with Scary Movie Night and Casey, Casey Monroe, who is practically family. As we do, let me remind you that this podcast does contain images of graphic violence, disturbing images, adult situations, sexual assault, and of course my favorite, foul language. It may not be suitable for children under the age of 13. Now, dust off those tentacles, dim the lights, close your eyes as we rejoin the world of Detective Ron Stevens with Chapter 1, Casey Monroe. Casey and Lindsay Winters had been friends since the third grade. As a matter of fact, she couldn't recall Friday night when they didn't have a sleepover. They would spend each Friday painting each other's toenails, sharing scary stories, or these days, talking about boys. This time, however, it was going to be a few weeks, not just Friday night. Her parents were headed to Europe and, well, Casey didn't want to go. So her parents dropped her off and Casey and Lindsay giggled their way upstairs where they settled in for what would be scary movie night. And being in an old gothic colonial on a late autumn evening only accentuated the creepy vibe. What movie do you want to watch tonight? Lindsay said, rolling over on her back, the pink flannel sheets piling up under her and her black silk pajamas. Hmm, Casey thought. What do you have in mind? Nothing zombie. They bore the snot out of me. Tell me about it, Casey agreed. They almost never explain why, and the characters are beyond stupid. If you get bit, you're done. Let someone put you down. Lindsay nodded. That, and they're ultra-depressing. Could you imagine living in a world where almost everyone you knew was gone? Ick. Okay, so no zombie movies. Teeth, Lindsay threw out. Oh, that's twisted, and so wrong, Casey replied. God, vaginas with teeth, can you imagine if you and Daryl... Lindsay, Casey had turned a deep shade of red. What? I'm just saying, Lindsay teased. Yeah, well... Casey feeling a little uncomfortable. It was a one-time thing. I'm not even sure it counts. Oh, it counts. Remember Monster Squad? Trying to lighten the mood. 
Oh my god, that movie was so lame, Casey responded. I'm more in the mood for something silly. Casper? Lindsay tossed the DVD by her feet. Works for me. Casey pressed the power on the DVR and the TV and hopped back onto the pink blankets next to Lindsay. Sorry if I made you uncomfortable, bringing up Daryl. It's okay. I should have known better. Boys suck. Lindsay grabbed a case of makeup and opened it. Choose your color. I want orange. Orange? Sure. Why not? Okay. Make mine orange too, but I want mine to look like jack-o'-lanterns. Ooh, we're so twinning on this. They both giggled and moved back to the floor, snuggling under a large blanket surrounded by some fake candles. The movie started, and the girls quickly got engrossed in it, painting each other's toenails and braiding each other's hair. Yep, this had been Friday night since the third grade. Not much had changed. Just the obvious, boobs and boys. It was shortly after Bull Pullman's character, Dr. Harvey, had accidentally become a ghost that a soft knock came at Lindsay's door. It was unlikely Gracie's mom. She left the girls alone, but it was also unusual that Devin, Lindsay's dad, would stop by. At least not since Casey had first started to blossom. She could swear he was trying to peer down her pajama tops. Thank God Grace caught on to it and straightened them out. These days, he would just wave, Hi girls, as they ran upstairs. Both girls jumped at the rap, and Lindsay watched as slowly the bedroom door opened, revealing Devin's shadowy face. Jeez, Dad, she complained. You scared the crap out of us. Oh, um, sorry, sweetie. I just thought you and Casey might like a snack and some tea. Casey nodded, and Lindsay smiled. Oh my God, Dad, you're amazing, she said. Yes, Casey shyly responded. Thank you. Devin walked in, carrying a tray of goodies and a piping hot pot of tea. He placed the tea on a small table that Lindsay had pulled out from under the bed and smiled at the girls. He made a half curtsy directed at Casey and said, You're welcome. The girls nearly peed themselves in hysterics after he closed the doors. What the fuck was that? Lindsay said. Oh God, you don't think we're back to... No, no, no. Mom made sure of that. How is your mom? I haven't seen much of her. Still withdrawn. I don't think she'll ever trust Dad again, especially after catching him with that pale lady. Oh my God, she was so creepy, Casey added. What did she insist we call her? Lindsay stood up in a mocking pose. I'm the Lady Cassandra. The two laughed and got comfortable again, nibbling on the sandwiches and drinking some tea. Something shiny caught Casey's attention and she pulled a dirty looking necklace off the tray. What's this? Lindsay shrugged. A dirty 14-carat gold nameplate was hanging off the edge of the tray. Casey plucked it up and out of the corner and dusted it off. What does it say? Lindsay asked, her curiosity growing. Maggie. Maggie, Lindsay repeated. Who's that? Got me, Casey replied. You don't think your father has another? Oh, hell no. Lindsay went to stand up and stumbled a bit. Whoa. Are you okay? Yeah, I just got... Lindsay dropped back to her knees with a heavy thud. What the? She now looked at her hands. Everything was blurring. Even Casey's face seemed twisted. I don't feel... Lindsay collapsed onto the bed and Casey began to panic. She went to stand up like Lindsay and found she couldn't. Her legs felt like jelly underneath her. Lindsay? What? Help. With that, everything went black. Casey was ice cold when she awakened. She tried to move and her head swam, and she immediately had the urge to throw up. 
As her eyes adjusted to the darkness, she realized she was lying naked on a hardwood floor and that her hands were bound behind her. Worse still, it had been cleared that she had been violated after being drugged. This thought made her sick again, and although she wanted to cry, she realized there was no time for that now. She needed to figure out what was going on and how to get free. She pushed herself into a sitting position against a cold stone of the fireplace mantle. A little further in, she could see some small red candles barely burning around a table. It was because of them that she was able to make out the different shapes and conclude that it was still in Lindsay's house. This was definitely her living room, which also meant she was against the enormous stone fireplace and someplace nearby should be the tools used for controlling a fire. If she could just reach those, she thought to herself. She did her best to feel around quietly. She still had no idea where Lindsay was, nor who her assailant was. Although she suspected, it was too convenient that Devon brought them snacks and then. Her bonds were not tied well or too tightly, which gave her hope. Maybe, just maybe, she could find the iron poker and use it. As she slowly slid herself against the stones, she nearly knocked over the stand containing the fireplace tools. Catching them with her legs, she held her breath. She stabilized them and rolled them along her thigh until they barely clanged against the floor. Now for the knots. She started trying to figure them out, hoping, praying that. She bumped into something cool. She took a deep breath. This was not the tools or hard stone. It was cool and fleshy. A body? Her mind processed. It had to be. God, what if it's Lindsay? God, I hope so, she thought, as she whispered. Lindsay? But there was no response. Now almost free, she could move her arm around normally and slowly ran her hand against what she perceived was another hand. It was cold. Very cold. It was also larger than Lindsay's. She felt the diamond ring. Grace. Grace was Lindsay's mother, and if this was Grace, it was clear she was dead. She swallowed hard and leaned up and over to get a look. Grace was staring back at her, eyes glazed open in shock and a large blemish above her right cheek. Oh, Grace. Now fully free, she used a stone mantle to pull herself up into a standing position. She was still wobbly and felt incredibly dirty. Shadows began to move, creeping around her as if they were watching the whole twisted pageantry. It made her feel even more naked than she already was. She knew she needed help, and she needed help fast. But who? How? She had no cell phone. They still had a landline in the kitchen, but... She looked at the dark passage away from the living room and down towards the hall where the kitchen was. No, I don't think I should go that way. She looked at the dwindling candles... She started a fire. That was risky. Too risky. The whole place could go up like a powder keg, and she hadn't found Lindsay yet. But a fire in a prominent house like this would get everyone here fast. Boy, Casey, I hope you know what you're doing, she said to herself as she neared the candles and the table they surrounded. A body lay upon it, strewn out. A bloody mess of flesh and intestines hung near the stomach. It was Lindsay, pale and lifeless, her eyes just staring endlessly at the ceiling, begging for this cruelty to end. Casey began to shake violently 
as she took her hand and closed Lindsay's eyes. This was too much. Way, way too much. It didn't happen, you know. It was Devin's voice. What they promised me, he added. Casey prepared the iron poker, gripping it so hard she thought her fingers might break. They said if I sacrifice her, I could be like them, Devin continued. But nothing happened, Casey. Why? She didn't answer. She was having enough trouble standing. Grace, Lindsay, and the blood dripping from the side of Devin's mouth. Maybe, he said, taking a new interest in her. Maybe I should sacrifice you, too. He began to approach out of the darkness, naked, his eyes wild, his face wrong somehow. He looked almost misshapen in his stance and in this light. I know you won't mind, right? I mean, you already gave yourself once to me tonight. Why not give your life to me, too? Casey broke, and in a shrill, angry voice, marched towards Devin with the poker. Gave! Gave! You took what you wanted, you freak! You drugged me! And... And Lindsay, for what? Some sick fantasy? A twisted dream that didn't come true? Devin moved almost too fast, but she caught him with the poker, as well as several candles that scattered landing under the drapes, spraying hot wax and flames. Immediately, a blaze began climbing up the window frame and lapping the ceiling. Holding his forehead, he looked towards the cold floor. I don't understand, my love. Why? This is always meant to be between you and me. Stay away from me, she said in almost a growl. Smoke was beginning to fill the room, and the smoke detector sounded. In the kitchen, the phone began to ring. Devin saw the glowing blaze behind her and knew his fate was sealed. He would not have time to play with Casey. At least not today. The smoke detectors would have alerted the alarm center, the fire department, and police department. With no one answering the phone, he was sure they'd be on their way. Devin crouched like an animal in the corner and hissed at Casey. He could still escape. He'd have to push past her and burst out the living room window. He charged her and Casey swung wildly. He knocked her down and plowed his way out the window. He felt the glass and wood splinter cutting into him. He had gashes across his arms and legs. Sirens could be heard in the distance. He looked back at the fiery panorama and could see Casey lying on the floor holding her head. She must have hit it when he knocked her over. The flashing lights of the police cruiser were racing up the streets. He looked into the woods. It would be his only means of escape. He'd find another sacrifice. He'd become what they promised him. Casey's vision blurred as she watched Devin dart off in almost an animalistic way towards the woods. The air was growing thick with smoke and she could feel the heat from the growing fire. As she lay there, she rolled over onto her back. Something cold and sharp bit into her skin. She grabbed it and pulled it back into her view. Somehow it managed to get stuck and stay on her through this entire ordeal. She looked at the name as it gleamed in the fire. Maggie. Grasping it tightly, she curled into a ball of naked flesh and waited. Waited to be rescued. Waited to die. Either way, it didn't matter. Her life was over now. Devin had taken everything from her. And like the house... Casey Monroe fell into darkness. A few minutes later, she heard the sounds of crashing wood and breaking glass, followed by angry, confused voices. Someone seeing Casey wrapped her up in a blanket 
and handed her off to the EMTs. They shined lights in her eyes and asked a ton of questions. Who are you? What happened here? Can you understand me? To which she just sat staring at them in a catatonic state. She didn't even try to correct them when they managed to uncurl her fingers, revealing the nameplate. Where are you sending her? A voice asked. St. Teresa's detective. Mind if I ride along? I prefer to let the cleanup crew do its work. It's okay with us, detective. Detective Stevens. Do we have a name for our Jane Doe? Just this nameplate. Maggie. Hmm. Something seemed wrong. The name didn't fit somehow, but it was the only lead they would have for a few hours. Detective Stevens looked at the catatonic girl and said, It's okay, Maggie. I'm Detective Stevens, and I'll be with you for the trip. Casey just stared at him, and the ambulance headed off. Devin watched it go from the hillside. As much as he wanted this Casey girl, he knew there were plenty more pretty young girls. Girls he could catch. Girls he could make squirm. Girls he could sacrifice in order to obtain his true self. A girl assaulted, lost in darkness. A man sick, evil and twisted, determined to become something else, with no care of who he hurts. A detective brought into this nightmare will start a hunt for a man, determined to put him down like the animal he's become. And so our story begins. Tune in next week for Chapter 2, Jane Doe.